0: social media home for workouts, uh, capital, <laughs> capital raising professionals. What are we? Workouts, special situations, and capital raising professionals. Um, doing these shows twice a week has uh, helped me lose my flow just a tiny little bit. Um, today, we're focusing on the capital raising um, uh, part of our uh, I guess, our ballywick, if you like, uh, although there will be some uh, overlap into the, uh, the special situations. Um, there's a lot of money around, as we know. Money is very cheap. Uh, it could be said that in, a, in some situations, money is very easy. And yet we're hearing that certainly uh, in the SME space and also in the, in the lower middle market to middle market, uh, getting money is not necessarily easy, particularly out of the bank. So there's a bit of a paradox going on there. Very low interest rates, money is in abundance under certain circumstances, and yet where the rubber hits the road, uh, getting the right kind of money is is still challenging in some some circumstances. And so we have got two guests to talk us through this and uh, to tell us what's going out there in the real world uh, when it comes to actually raising money for real life clients. And the first of those guests is Andrew Clark. Hey.
1: Good, thanks. How are you?
0: Very well indeed. I have to say that. you know, because we are getting busier, and uh, and as a result, you've know, sure. got less time to sort of uh, get our uh, get our pattern down perfect. So uh, <laughs> you know, I guess it's all it's all a little bit off the cuff and and rough and ready. Um, listen, you are a CLFP, and you yep. have also recently won the Broker Firm of the Year with the Commercial Asset and Finance Brokers Association. So what's a CLFP and, and what is, uh, what, what is the, I guess, what's CAFPA
1: to begin with? Uh, 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 CAFPA is the um, Commercial Asset Finance Brokers Association, which is our um, uh, broker industry body. Um, uh, you know, that sort of is a bit of a go-between between the lenders and, um, and, and brokers like us. Um, they do a lot of... Um, um, CPD things and, and and help us out with that um, and, and a bit of um, rallying, but you know between us and 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 government and things like that as well. So that's uh, our industry body, I guess is the um, the short answer to that. Um, and the CLFP um, is actually a, a a qualification which is more common in the United States. There's actually only two CLFPs in Australia, which is myself and David Gill. Who's the CEO of CAFPA, Who we were talking about their organisation as well. Um, so, we're, CAFPA is trying to uh, bring some uh, education and improve that area of um, of finance broking. Uh, so, they're they're bringing a CLFP type um, qualification to Australia. So, I was David and I, David did it first, and then I did it um, after that.
0: I have to say, I mean, I guess you yeah, so you're basically saying there's three there's three things. You know, I'm sure that if there's cat people watching, they might say, "Hey, well, what about things four and five? The professional standards for the industry and the whole industry, yep. uh, the, the professional standards have been raised, and there's absolutely no question about it. It's fantastic. That's right. Uh, also, obviously, acting as a as a go-between, as you say. Uh, between the finance brokers and all the lending institutions, uh, and importantly, of course, the major banks, uh, who are heavy supporters of CAFPA. And the other thing, of course, is as a lobby group to the government. And I know that they yes, have a lobby. Yep. uh You know, whilst I guess ostensibly they're lobbying hard for, for the finance brokers, they are also uh, de facto lobbying for small business because when the government gets one of these thought bubbles about what a great idea for small business, um, That's thanks exactly what CAFPA, I was about to say. Yeah, yeah. Cuz exactly um, you know
1: through through lobbying you know on behalf of, of brokers like us but we're servicing small business so yeah it one step away they they they're lobbying for small business for, for sure for sure. Now, tell me
0: what what um so how you, your firm has only been going for a couple of years how did you manage to be broker firm of the year in such a short space of time? Well
1: we, we did we did a bit of a rebrand um so, whilst technically, you know, we, we've this this business was uh, started in March 2020, which is uh, probably, a, if people are thinking about that, as a significant date uh, for other reasons as well. But um, we started in March 2020, but we were a rebrand of, uh, of, of an existing business, so we did have a little bit of a head start in in uh, in that uh, on that level, to be honest. Um, but, you know, so it's we trying to start
0: a business just as the world's going to hell is what you're saying.
1: That, that was pretty much uh, we started as Danforth Finance and Insurance on the 1st of March 2020. And I think it was about the 16th of March uh, where we had uh, ScoMo on the, on the TV saying that everything was going to close down. So yeah. that was certainly a pretty challenging time to be um, rebranding your business. <laughs>
0: And um, what's the nature of the work that's crossing your desk at the moment? Is it, is it you know, small stuff, big stuff in the industry? Boy, uh,
1: you know, at the moment, it's really anything and everything, um, you know, from cars to small pieces of equipment, um, larger pieces of equipment in um, construction, manufacturing, um fit outs large scale fit outs solar farms uh it's, it, you know the the dollar range on my desk at the moment is a $25,000 car to a $20 million solar farm so it's and, and everything in between so it's um it, 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 there's a vast sort of range of of um of applications at the moment on my desk
0: and how, and how would this? I mean, how, how would uh, business at the moment compare to say two years ago pre COVID? Is it at pre COVID levels? Uh, is it patchy, What's the... Look, I,
1: from from where I sit and 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 our numbers, um, in terms of a number of transactions, we're probably down fifteen percent to what wouldn't would have been an average in say two thousand and nineteen, um, but. I'm certainly not unhappy with it. I think that's that's quite good in, in this market. I'm really happy. Um, not sure if, you know, every, every business is, is similar. I think obviously it depends on the industry. Like if you're in hospitality or something, for example, you, you're certainly not 15% down. You're a lot, lot more than that. Um, so.
0: All right. Well, look, we, we will put you back in the waiting room and introduce our second guest for the day. And we're going to introduce Arthur Saltis. Hi Arthur, how are you going? Hi Nick, um, I'm well, thank you. Now Arthur, you're the managing director of VMG Capital. Uh, yes. VMG, of course, is an abbreviation for Velocity Made Good, which is a sailing term. I know that you're a you're a sailor and a city of the Hobart Cup winner, which <laughs> right. uh, is another story that you might you might touch on as we go. Um, now you do you do capital raising, but you also roll up your sleeves and do a little bit of. Uh, what you might solve strategic, or certainly strategic advisory work and turnaround work as well. Tell us a little bit about the sort of work that you've been seeing lately as a, as a bit of a flavor for what you do. Well, as a way of background, we're
2: very much a um, corporate advisor to the middle market, and that's $10 million by turnover companies up from there. Um, we're working across a, a range of industries, and it's all about you know, using the twenty five we've probably had more than twenty-five years in the multinationals in financial services. Uh, we're talking banks, um, globally. And what we're trying to do is bring some of that know-how into into the middle market, so it's connecting capital. Um, but I, I like to summarize the type of business we are is that we're like a psychiatrist company. Um so you know, we're trying to differentiate ourselves away from being a corporate doctor, but it's about the analytics of the company, trying to work out where their issues are and then, um, and then working with the company to, to, to improve on their performance. So, um, we're across industrials, uh, professional services firms, real estate, uh, primary industry, uh, renewable energy, um, And so what we're seeing in the current market, we've got a good cross-section across corporate or mid-corporate Australia, and we're seeing, you know, all the stuff we're hearing in the press is is for real around supply chain interruption, um, lack of access to uh, labour, and it's it's really having uh, an impact, I think short-term impact, probably less than... Less than the next, uh, over the next 12 months, it'll, it'll work itself out subject to the, virus not getting any worse. But, um, no, but we're in the, in the straight, world, we're seeing, uh, in the national, state, um, in a significant change in that market, uh, and the, and the, the labour structures that are, that are, are being employed in that market. Um, the importers, um, they're, they're struggling,
0: seriously struggling with their low cost. Um, yes, yeah, so a, a whole cross section of industry. And uh, do, do you? I mean obviously, you spent some time uh, at fairly senior levels at Westpac and uh, and the NAB. Uh, I mean, is that the sort of space that you're playing in with with the major banks or alternative capital providers as well? Well, well, look, Nick, um,
2: the the. The major banks are always in the on the radar, and as companies are growing, if they can get the access to that low cost capital, then that's obviously an advantage. That's, a lot of the companies we're dealing with are accessing into the non-banks, and that's that is a market a very it's, it's a growing market, rapidly growing market. It's not as deep as the European or North American markets, um, so there's a lot of arbitrage goes on in that market. So there's a lot of mispricing. Um, going on in the in the non bank market, but having said that, um, lot lot more entrance, uh, particularly over the last two years, a lot more entrance in that space. So we're uh, we're working across non bank lenders, bank lenders, private finance, private equity, venture capital. You know we're across all, all the various um, at um, capital um, parts of the budget. Um, and as I say, the the, the non bank space is awash with capital and a lot of opportunity to be had in terms of finding the right home for the for the right capital solution.
0: Okay, um, and and I, I know that uh, I think the first time I met you, it was you, you know you were. Getting deeply involved in the numbers, trying to find out what was wrong with the business. I think I think you said, ad, you know, basically it was analytical work to begin with, I suppose, diving into the data and, and trying to work out what was wrong. So, uh, yeah. is there much, uh, you know, finding finding where the money's hiding on the balance sheet, that sort of stuff? I mean, what and what, what How do you go about that? Is are you using particular programs, or
2: do you have an yeah. accountant
0: by trade? Yeah, yeah.
2: So background is uh, part of the account. Um, What we've created is the VMG diagnostic, which I um, affectionately call Australian consulting as opposed to American consulting. So we've used many, many years of experience in financial services. We ask 100 questions of the company to the owners of the company um, to identify where the the pain points are. Um, And that's from that diagnostic, you get a score out of 10. And very easy conversation. If you score less than three, um, we 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 can't help those companies, and we uh, we introduce them to the right people. Um, but where they're between three and three and seven, that's where where we're trying to help companies grow. And, and invariably, it's access to capital. Um, right. So we end mm-hmm. up uh, making sure before they present to the capital providers, we've got to make sure the company's fit and ready to be able to present. So we spend a bit of time getting the companies fit and ready. Um, and that's across systems, processes, people, um, controls. You know, it, it, it's, we, we all, you're an expert in this space. It, it's, you, you know where to look um, as a, as a non bank um, funder. Um, and so we know what the funders are looking for. So our job is to get the companies into a place so that they present well and, and the better they present, the lower the cost of capital. It's, it's that simple.
0: Okay. Uh, all right. Well, we will bring back uh, Andrew Clark. Um, now, Andrew, before we sort of get into discussion around the, the particular challenges uh, of, of, you know, placing deals and what sort of deals are difficult and uh, etc. cetera, uh, I'm just interested, you know, finance breaking has changed a lot uh over the years you know once upon a time there were you know some pretty large firms uh dominating the place uh and the, the large firms obviously still you know they're still there and, you know but but i suppose the you know one of the advantages of working under the banner of a large firm was that a there was the, the sharing of overheads and b there was uh, obviously accreditation so getting accreditation with the banks etc um but they, i guess these days there's technology and there's aggregators i mean how
1: has that changed the way, you know, you run your business? I mean, obviously, you're not a large firm as such. That's right. That's right. Uh, well, I mean, aggregation has been around for, for, for quite a long time, um, but I think they have improved their systems and technologies uh, pretty quickly in the last few years. Um, and you're seeing even the larger firms now are, are using aggregators as well. Uh, which goes to show that 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 value of simply being a larger firm um, is probably diminishing a little bit because you are seeing them go to aggregation models as well, um, which shows the value of them, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Okay, so let's turn our mind to uh, what... What, what scenarios are challenging at the moment? I mean, we, we know that with low interest rates and that there's lots of new lenders, and you know there's an abundance of capital. There's new credit funds, um, and and there's you know there's a lot of uh, equity and private equity. So there's a lot of money about the place, uh, but it's not always
1: uh, straightforward getting there. To set. I mean, what do you find, Andrew? You're right. I think the biggest challenge. Um, over the last few years, would be meeting regulatory requirements, um, uh, particularly with banks. And I think uh, uh, Arthur touched on that a moment ago where he was sort of saying that there's, there's a bit more sort of non-bank lending is becoming more attractive to people. And I, I think that might be uh, just an opinion based on regulatory issues where, you know, some of the non-banks um are not lumped with as much um, regulation as some of the non-bank lenders.
0: Yeah, so it's, it's regulation's the, the main thing. And how, where, where the rubber hits the road, what does that mean? More paperwork,
1: slower processes? Right, but both of those things. That's, that's what I'm experiencing as well. I mean, we're, I mentioned earlier we're a little bit down, but, um, you know, we're doing a similar amount of, of, of business, but I think the work that's involved in doing that similar amount of business is probably, uh, you know, 30%, 40% um, more work. And it is, uh, a lot of it is form filling and uh, and box ticking sort of um, stuff. Um, that, that, that's what I think. Okay.
0: Well, uh, Arthur, before we went live, you mentioned um, the, uh, the the business relief loans, what are they called? Uh, those COVID relief. Yeah, the business recovery loans. Yeah, um, and
2: just tell us a little bit about those. Well, look, I mean, in um, particularly small and medium-sized businesses, um, and what we're discovering is that uh, certainly the mainstream banks are struggling to get these loans moved out the door because they're buying, just by the background, they're, they're largely guaranteed. They're not 100% guaranteed, but they're largely Government guaranteed loans, um, so significant reduction in the risk ratings for a bank. The banks are still treating them as as if it's a normal, and there the they, we, we've got examples on our book at the moment where companies are not getting approval because uh, they don't meet guaranteeing the loan. It's quite interesting. It comes back to Andrew's point. It pushes them back into the, uh, the non-bank tenders.
0: Uh, and what about what about yourself, Andrew? You, I mean, these these things are eighty percent guaranteed. The mm-hmm. government. Uh, I mean, I speak to some brokers and they say, "Oh, that's all we are doing." But other brokers say that yeah, the banks have just got no interest. So, what? what how, how do you
1: find? It? Well, we haven't done one of those uh, one of those lines um, mm-hmm. for the same reasons that um, that that Arthur's mentioning there. I mean, um, there's. As I see it, they're they're designed to um, help some businesses that might be struggling with with the effects of uh, what's happened with COVID. Um, but then that would will often be the, the reason that the bank is identifying the reason that they can't do the deal because wow. the business is, has been struggling. Yeah. Um, so w- what do we say about that? It's a bit sort of uh, counterintuitive, isn't it? so like
0: arthur's saying you're not then you're not finding that uh the, the banks are going oh well the government's going to wear 80 percent of any loss uh so we're going to be a little bit more cavalier it's 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 business as usual
1: i'm not saying that no yeah okay mm, nor are we.
0: Uh, okay and arthur um i'm just wondering what about when it comes to credit assessment because you've touched on uh, you, you've said that the banks are treating these things uh the same way they treat any loan. So uh, just sort of moving away from that particular uh, support that the the banks, is, uh, the government's giving, um, are, how are banks assessing credit? You know, are they looking at financials and going, okay, well, there's a drop in revenue and a drop in profitability, but that was because of COVID. Are they overlooking that? Are they looking back to, you know, financials of 2019, or are they, how are they, what, what metrics are they applying to, uh, you know, to make decisions given that there's a gap, a gap in the financials?
2: I mean, I really don't think the credit process has changed from pre-COVID. I, I, I think they're, they're very focused on the financials, um, the the EBIT and EBITDA, you know, so the cash flow generation capacity of businesses. and frankly, our experience is the banks um, are looking at performance through COVID, and 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 it becomes quite circular as we've been talking because companies have been weakened. Through COVID, whether it be supply chain or whether it be just at the sale at the revenue line, um, but but the banks they're looking at the cash flow generation and they're they have been quite. Um, I would say it's the, the flow of capital uh, at at that banking level has been been quite difficult. The, we're we're talking companies that pay say five or less on the uh, on the BMG diagnostic. You know they're not. Um, they're not uh, performing well, but there, there are good reasons why, and um, particularly around COVID. So, um, having said that, there's a lot of liquidity in the non-bank space. So we're we're working on transactions at the moment uh, on a real estate trade where you know it's development capital and it's it's um, single-digit uh, funding, first mortgage funding uh, on development risk, construction development and construction. Risk. Um, so, I, I, to that point, I think there's, you know, there's good liquidity in the non-bank market
0: and the bank market is a um, business as usual. And, uh, Andrew, what, what, what about yourself? Are you finding that, uh, you know, if, you, if you've got something where the financials are a little bit impaired, you know, in 2021 financial year, which was the, the year when COVID was sort of the most devastating, uh, are you finding the banks giving borrowers giving a leave pass or...? Just analysing as usual.
1: It's, it's, it's a difficult. One. Good, good question. I think that they 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 are factoring it in, um and I I believe that they're trying to sort of uh, act commercially and and um, uh, and not sort of prohibit uh, businesses from borrowing based on a poor performance during COVID, which often this wasn't the best was no fault of management of the business uh, but at the same time they've, they've still they've still got to assess their credit don't they so um it's a it's, it's a i don't want to criticize them too much because it is a, it's a tricky it's a tricky balance mm. yeah okay mm-hmm. and,
0: and I, I, so okay well let's go through the types of capitalizing obviously the one that you're doing the most on andrew is new equipment um, so New equipment is easier
1: than, say, capital raising against existing equipment. I would say that the banks, banks in particular, probably do look a little bit more uh, favourably um, at new equipment and new purchases as opposed to capital raising on existing um, unencumbered plant equipment. Um, there's been a there's been a sort of a, a, a perception in the past. Um, that if somebody's trying to raise capital against their unencumbered plant equipment, then that means that they've got some sort of problem, and therefore uh, we don't we don't want to look at them. That that has been a past perception, which um, I think was a was a little bit harsh, um, and that's why it is a bit it is easier to get finance for new uh, equipment. that's very broadly speaking, though, by the way,
0: yeah. Okay, and Arthur, um, what about? Uh, I'm seeing a lot of uh, a lot of companies are accruing tax debt. I think that I think that ATO arrears is a bit of an untold story at the moment. No one's really talking about it. People in my circles are talking about it, but I think out there in the in the general populace. Uh, uh, someone told me last week that uh, SME debt is now up to 55 billion um and, and a lot of a lot of companies have this' got masses of, of unpaid a t o debt so uh that typically that's an obstacle for the main banks i mean i guess what are you That's definitely, definitely
2: the case uh having said that um i know that the the four majors will as long as the tax debt is down into um sort of, you know if it, it's found the forty to fifty thousand dollar mark they, they will consider um, advancing or, or giving credit approval with that type of debt. Um, so we're talking relatively low tax debt. The reality is if, if anybody is paying for a credit approval, uh, any corporate and they've got significant tax access, can really ign basically that they won't get the time you. As long as, unless they can show that it's it, it's it's on a, a fast track of being uh, paid back now so it's a dump It's a it's a bit of a um, double-edged sword because it's very low cost funding, um, and as you say, it's, the, the tax office over the last two years has uh, been very, I would say, generous in in the way it's uh, dealt with it. Um, so. You know, it's uh, it, it's something that has to be managed, and 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 how important is to clean that clean that debt up, even though it's low cost capital, um, that really needs to be off balance to it very significantly limits your access to other forms of capital, any, any type of other type of capital. Uh, what, 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 okay. What, what about
0: yourself, Andrew? How how are you, how are you finding that?
1: But the exact, Arthur just uh, summed that up actually perfectly there. So you you are sort of seeing that the the majors are okay with a limited level of tax debt. But there are lenders out there as well who have strict policies that say if you have tax debt over a certain uh, dollar figure, it's an immediate no, they won't, they won't, they won't lend to you until that's sorted out.
0: Yeah, I know that uh, CAFPA over the years has sort of tried to bring the ATO and the banking community together uh, in terms of helping helping banks. Um, I guess get you know look past the, the you know the, the tax arrears situation, particularly where it's under arrangement. Uh, I must say, you know, talking I was talking to a couple of boys from Tax Assure who do the tax debt negotiation, and, and they say that uh, they say that the ATO is going to start. Uh, getting active again, but I guess we'll have to wait uh, we'll have to wait and see there Arthur um given that you're sort of more in the corporate space uh, well, corporate advisory space as well as capital raising are you seeing much uh, much more for in the work that you're doing are you doing much uh, uh, mergers and acquisition type stuff you know, helping people sell their businesses or help them help them uh you know grow through acquisition
2: yeah Nick we are it's really um Without, a lot of the clients we're talking, working with, um, they're in a growth phase. Uh, and and so, uh, whether it be acquiring another or merging with another services firm because they're wanting to ac- access the Western Australian markets, uh, or in the freight space where they're expanding their line haulage across the states, they're looking to merge or acquire. Uh, in one instance, um, a client is um, very dependent on its uh, IP, so it's looking at, uh, you know, a vertical uh, integration into an acquisition of, a, of, of the IT platform that, uh, that, that underpins their business. So um, there, there is a lot of activity going on, I'd, I'd expect, from what we're seeing. In, in the middle market, small to middle market, uh, we're seeing quite a bit of that activity. Um, and then it's a case of finding the right capital solution to be able to make that acquisition because using balance sheet equity um, is limiting and so we need to be able to marry those um, uh, promoters, those businesses, we need to be able to marry them up uh, with the right financial solution uh, which uh, has the cost of capital that generates... uh, You
0: know, in growth in equity over time. So seeing a bit of that. Yeah, okay. That's interesting. So I do know that, you know, as there's more credit funds about the place, you know, some of the old traditional uh, enterprise value lending is being picked up. Uh, by some of those credit funds, so that's that's very yeah. interesting. Uh, Andrew, I know that you uh, that the phone rings in your office occasionally with with uh, you know when there's an M and A on and someone's trying to get some of the some of the equipment done. So, are you seeing much in that? Uh, are, you, are you seeing many of your clients selling businesses, uh, selling their own business, or buying other businesses?
1: Uh, yes, probably a, a, a little bit more than usual in that in that space. Actually, um, uh, got a, got a, got a couple of both. Actually, a few few clients of are selling and a few acquiring as well. Um, so a little bit more activity than 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 average, I would say at the moment. Yeah, definitely. And what, how are you
0: finding uh, the bank's attitude to participate in those deals? It,
1: it, it is it is a bit tricky. Um, to get those data, you know, certainly um, a lot of information required and and making sure that, you know, every sort of scenario is covered um, and and other interesting ways of, um, of funding it, um, sort of a little bit outside of the box these days. And it sort of really depends on who you get the deal in front of. Um, and, you know, often that is even within one particular organisation, depending on the, the consistency there is, um, little bit uh different from time to time yeah okay uh all right so
0: you're seeing people piling into that piling into buying stuff because they're worried about interest rates going up
1: Uh, i'm not sure if they're worried there's certainly a little bit of that there are some people that are worried about rates going up and they do want to fix that um that rate um up front i agree with everything that arthur just said um regarding next year and the reasons why um Business owners, my client base. Here, um, I can only speak for, um, are really chomping at the bit to to get going next year. Um, there and the supply chain issue also that um, Arthur mentioned um, is a big one. There's uh, there's approved uh, applications on my desk that you can't jump over. That are just waiting on the on the equipment to arrive or waiting on a part or or something like that. So that's holding it back a little bit, and also obviously um, you've got the COVID-19, um, you know, that's got to stay under control and, and you know, government um, reactions to that as well um, are a bit of an unknown. And if, you know, if all of that goes smoothly, then I can see next year um, being, being a growth year, I think, for for most businesses.
0: Okay. We've got uh, our friend Jim Salakis. um making his, uh, he, Jim's uh, not, not happy with the, the state of things. On the ground, uh, recovery is not as expected. Restaurants are not busy. Retail sales off a low base still have a way to go and the RBA is in denial as inflation is biting hard. The banks are poised to rise rates outside the RBA cycle. Now, certainly, uh, you know, certainly the banks, you know, the, the I think CBA and Westpac. I don't want to misquote or point fingers, but they have been raising their fixed rates on uh, on. Mortgage debt or property debt. Uh, I mean, are interest rates are interest rates staying flat? Uh, Andrew on the on the you know, motor vehicles and plant equipment. Or no, we're seeing
1: some, you're seeing some increases in those um, in those rates at the moment starting to creep in because obviously the the cost of funds is um, you know in that pool is is has been gradually increasing um, over the last well, what probably six months or so. So um, definitely rates in plant equipment finance, are on the way up at the moment. I don't necessarily think that is a terrible thing um, because the, they've been incredibly low for a long time. So there's, I think there's certainly a little bit of room to, to raise them a, 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 yeah, a little bit without... Well, I think... Not, I mean, Sound discussion. like I'm on the side of the enemy, you know? <laughs> no,
0: no, 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 no. I mean, there's a whole discussion around, uh, you know, the, how there's a misallocation of capital when interest rates are the way they are and you've got all this government intervention and, and uh central bank intervention but that's that's for another day but it does it does distort asset prices and, and we're seeing that with property prices going through the roof whether or not they've eased off uh, i'm not 100 but you i, I must say I, I was of the view that inflation was out of control and that all this talk of supply chains influencing it was, was a load of nonsense. Until two weeks ago when I had a discussion with John Phillips. I don't know if you saw the episode of Lunch Money, but he's a supply chain expert. And, you know, listening to him, I mean, the, the, the things are genuinely clogged up. They will be clogged up for the next 12 months. Um, but they will unclog at some point in time. Uh, so, you know, and, and there are some people that still uh, debate whether or not there's going to be some deflation. But we're out of time, guys, believe it or not. So wow. Um, wow. and when after, we didn't even get to talk about Midnight Rambler, can we just, we just, we are going to show the uh, Midnight Rambler, which is the, that's that's you hanging wow. off the side of that thing back in 1998, <laughs> um, yeah. and that's yeah. after you got uh, tossed over by by 70-foot 70, 70 waves, was it? Uh, well, they measured, they measured the waves over like 100
2: feet in certain certain instances. But, uh, it was a cyclone, Nick, um, very difficult uh, conditions, um, and we sailed through that, came out the other side, and there were still um, some top boats competing. Um, and we went on to win that race. So it was a sort of a—you went from uh, the depths of uh, thinking this could be the end to uh, coming out the other side and then winning the race, which is always a, in uh, in any sport—it's it's one of the pinnacle events to be able to win. So uh, that was a that was an extraordinary time. Changed my life. I'm happy to, happy to come back and, and, and have a uh, have a chat with you at some point about uh, about those experiences. I did one recently with the Union. The CYC. Well, no, the um Christian Union, um, the foreign currency specialist. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, sorry. yeah. Us, uh, an interview with me, and um, we talked about how how the lessons of. Uh, experience can be applied into the into the corporate world, because at BMG, that's what we're trying to do is help people through the through the uh, let's call it navigation form to get them to the other side, which is um, which is what it's all about really. Um, and I have to say we're in a fairly stormy conditions at the moment, notwithstanding um, uh, that things are hopefully
0: starting to come up
2: and uh, things getting a bit better. Um,
0: well, yeah. I It'd be great to talk to you about that. I mean, the the, the metaphorical parallels are incredible, aren't they? The the storm and uh, surviving and and all that sort of stuff. And you've done it in real life and not only survived, uh, thank God, but but, you went on to win, which is just absolutely remarkable. And I guess another thing, you know, another sort of metaphor, if I can tease it out, is... Uh, you know, I remember a, 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 an old friend of the family, I remember him talking to me once about um, about sailing, and obviously you've done it, he was talking about sailing in the in the Sydney to Hobart, and he was saying how the captains, they could just somehow just knew where the breeze was going to come from. It was like a sixth sense, and they'd be doing something that looked a little bit crazy to everybody else. But I guess the, the, the parallels in business are the same, I think. I mean, you've got to... Yeah. Be, yeah, you've got to be able to tell where the breeze is coming from or where the danger was. Andrew, uh, I mean, look, congratulations on your massive uh, win. Not quite uh, surviving... Uh a cyclone. <laughs> uh, I was just about, about to say, it's a tough act to follow. Uh, yeah.
1: my, my, we're we pleased with our dad uh, with our uh, Kafka Award. Yeah, it was certainly but, uh, it was a bit a bit of a come down from a city to Hobart win.
0: Uh, <laughs> yeah. A remarkable achievement, nonetheless, particularly given uh, I know you know some of the excellent firms that you've been competing with, and uh, and also you know given that uh, if you, you know you started. Uh, you started the time and you must have thought, what the, what the hell did I do that for? So, All right, James, look, really big thank you for, uh, for coming along and giving our audience such, a, such an interesting discussion. And uh, I look forward to speaking with you again soon and I look forward to speaking to, uh, to our audience again soon in a couple of weeks. Cheers.